You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 125, featuring special guest Leo Ash Evans of Broadway's School of Rock. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? My name is Maggie Barra, and welcome to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic, or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Don't forget that the theater industry is a business and it's all about branding and marketing. You can be the absolute best actor in the world, but if no one knows who you are and you don't know how to market yourself, what's the point? Learn how to easily define your brand and communicate it through websites, social media, headshots, resumes, postcards, and audition material by grabbing a copy of my ebook, Marketing 101 for Actors, an actor's guide to successful branding. Simply go to actoraesthetic.com shop to get your copy today. Well, hey friends, it's Maggie, and thanks for joining us this week for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. This week's episode, I chat with Leo Ash Evans of Broadway's School of Rock, Shuffle Along, and Jesus Christ Superstar, all about college auditions. Leo Ash Evans is a graduate himself of Carnegie Mellon University with a BFA in acting and musical theater. He's also the co-owner and director of Musical Theater College Auditions, otherwise known as MTCA, and entering his 14th year of expert preparation for musical theater and acting college auditions. I first met Leo when I was working with MTCA and prepping for musical theater college auditions, and he was actually the first person that brought to my attention Texas State University, which is where I ended up going to school. He is incredibly knowledgeable about this process and will make you feel so much better by the end of the episode, so take out your notes app, sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Leo, thank you so much for joining. It has been so long since we have chat, but I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited to be here, Maggie. This is so exciting that I get to see you in this way, this platform. Yeah, in this setting, very different. <laughs> yes, I love it. For those of you who do not know, I was training with MTCA, which Leo was a part of and is now the co-director of uh, Musical Theater College Audition Prep when yep. I was 17, 18 years old back in 2013. In, in 2013. Yep. Gosh, that feels like <laughs> yesterday, but it also doesn't. Yes. Like it feels like... God. This I whole mean, year feels like 30 years. Yeah. So there's and that. I, I feel like we I, after we coached, I was like, oh, she's still in college. And the next thing you know, <laughs> you're graduating from Texas State. Oh, I'm gosh. like, well, crazy. It's right? so fast. I know you grew up in Pittsburgh. So yeah. how did you initially get involved in theater yourself? I, you know, I think I knew 
when I was in like fourth grade, there was a thing called Kids on Broadway, which was oh like gosh. a musical theater review where we, it was just like random songs from Broadway shows. And I did it as like a little extracurricular thing at the end of the day. And I came home just, I remember my mom's face was lit up seeing how happy I was. And then somewhere along like sixth or seventh grade, when I learned you actually can be a professional actor, I was like, wait, <laughs> I can make this my profession. And you know, all the people would say, but you know, you don't make a lot of money or yeah. it's a very risky business. But like, I never, once I knew that I could, you know, do this as a job and be joyful doing my job, I never looked back. I just, mm. so I, I thank this little, it was called Kids on Broadway. And then there was a larger troupe called the North Star Kids. Ooh. So it was like through, I know it's so fancy. <laughs> it was through like uh, uh, ninth grade, eighth grade, I think. So, and then the rest was history. I just, you know, mm. I was, I played soccer and I was on the swim team, but I kept like dropping out of things as I wanted to keep dancing, mm. singing and acting. And mm. I grew up about a half hour North of Pittsburgh and I, there was a lot of great, um, theater yeah. opportunities for me and I was in the choir at high school which was really competitive we we flew to Disney and competed I mean wow. so the yeah so the arts were were present for me which was mm. nice did you always know that you could pursue a degree in this you mean like at that younger age yeah I think I knew I didn't know when I started in that kids on Broadway but then once I hit like eighth grade I kept hearing now you can and I'm like because I all, once I knew you could have a, a pursuing like degree in it, I thought, well, I have to learn more. Mm -hmm. That's why I love all my MTCA coaching stuff with students is that I love learning. Yeah. And it's just the, it's such a, it's such a beautiful time in your life when you're younger because your whole future is ahead of you. Right. You know, so right. I, I love education. So yeah. you coach on, on college audition prep, which we're going to get into. And I'm very excited <laughs> too, because things are different this year and they're going to be different as we continue. Right. But what was your college audition process like? You ended up going to Carnegie Mellon to yep. pursue a degree, but what was your college audition process like? Well, it was a lot less competitive then. So I certainly did not have to audition for as many schools. That's for sure. I mean, I think I auditioned for like seven schools, seven or eight schools, which now today that's like so risky. Unheard of. Unheard of. I, so, sometimes occasionally I'll get a student that's like, what about these eight? And I'm like, what about doubling it? You know, um, but yeah, it it was fun. I remember it was a nice bonding experience with my with my parents. And, yeah. um, you know, I didn't have like balance to my list. It was like all those big name schools. Carnegie Mellon actually wasn't what I thought was going to be my first choice because I thought that it's too close to home. Right. I thought like college means leave, get out. So <laughs> I did it because I knew it was such a um, respectable program. And then when I was at the audition, I fell in love with the faculty. I the campus, which I thought like, oh, we've driven through this. I don't want to be here. Then all of a sudden walking <laughs> on it, like felt amazing. And then, you know, it's, I always talk about compatibility with, with all my students. It, it really clicked. And then I just kept my fingers crossed. Mm. So, you knew, I mean, talk, yeah. talk to me about that. The, the compatibility that's so important mm -hmm. when students are looking for a college program, how would you, how would you suggest finding that for yourself? Even if you can't go necessarily to the if you can't fly out to the program or if you can't yeah. drive out to the program? I would start with, even though every website feels like a cold black and white yeah. beginning, if you, if you do it slowly and patiently, you can pick up on cues in language that schools use. Sometimes mission statements or, or curriculums will have areas that you really pounce on and go, wow, that's mm -hmm. really awesome. They all have that, right? And then they don't. 
you know, like voice and speech, for example, was a class that when I was at college, I was like my least favorite class, Maggie. And then <laughs> it was like by far the most beneficial because it's like it teaches you how to have, you know, how to do eight shows a week. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something like if you're if you look through things, you may realize, wait, that's not a part of the curriculum at all of these programs. So you start to learn. Yeah, you can learn even just curriculum wise um, what r really is speaks to you. And then, of course, when you get into the differences between BA and BFA and minoring and double majoring, some do that beautifully. And then others in a conservatory style, it's you struggle to be able to accomplish mm. that. So that's one way. That's more compatibility in a in a black and white. This is what we offer. This is what we don't. Then I would say take do those virtual tours. They do the, the schools were scrambling at the top of 2020 when the pandemic hit. I've seen a lot of these universities really pull together now impressive videos that are a lot more thorough. And the other thing is, is if you ever watch a virtual tour and it doesn't give you everything you're looking for, ask the school. I think students are afraid to engage with the universities. They're great about it. And you know, you can get someone in the theater department. One of the things I love doing for all of our MTCA current um, juniors and now sophomores is that when they are trapped, not finding information about you know, a particular school, I put them in touch with alumni of ours, like yourself. Mm. Like if someone was like, I don't get something about right. Texas State, I might say, hey, maybe Maggie could help you. You know, right. so it's, it's it. you know, that's one way is to get it from the horse's mouth, get it from people who are, mm -hmm. you know, graduates. The best people to talk to are the ones that are in the program at the time. So like, you now, like me, we're old. No, you're not old. You're not old. You're <laughs> no, old. I'm old. I'm really old. My no, you're was not the old. other day. I'm feeling old. <laughs> I love it. That's like I, I joke on the team. I'm like I'm grandpa. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, if you talk to students at the program while they're doing it, mm -hmm. they just have a sense of what feels good. Maybe they'll tell you vulnerably something that isn't good. You know, maybe they'll tell you, listen, if you really want dance to be your focus, that's not this school. You know, Carnegie mm -hmm. Mellon. I say that I would say that to people all the time. So it's like if you if you engage that way, it's really helpful. And then you learn maybe that keeps you compatible or maybe you move on, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you mentioned things like a BFA versus a BA or majoring versus double majoring. Can you just talk to me about those different things that students might be looking for? When yeah. you talked about earlier about compatibility in a school, yeah. there are many different things besides just getting a, a BFA in musical theater. There, there are sure many different are. aspects. So what kinds of things should they be looking for? Yeah, well said. I, listen, I knew I had a business sense and entrepreneurial side of me when I was in high school. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to get into to a conservatory. And if I could turn back and do it again, I still would do it. I loved it. <laughs> but I do think that if, if anyone listening to this has that sense of, I like business, I like communications, I like a foreign language, I like psychology. When you're looking at a liberal art program, even ones that are audition based, now you're getting a higher caliber of people that are talented around you because everyone had to audition to get in. But then you're also successful in being able to potentially minor or double major, pending what you want to do. That is going to give you more of that dual kind of degree experience where you're getting maybe what feels like a conservatory in class size, but it's layering in the ability to take psychology as an elective or do a double major in you know communications. Um, of course, every school is going to be different what you can and can't accomplish. So you have to go school to school. There's no one blanket rule. But in general, if you're talking about a BFA liberal arts school versus a conservatory, the liberal arts schools are more successful in the minoring and the double majoring. Yeah. The conservatories are going to be more about credits that go towards your major. 
-hmm. So the singing, dancing, and acting at Carnegie Mellon was significantly more because I was in a conservatory program. Right. And that's really important when students are creating their lists of schools to start researching and applying for, auditioning for. So how does one create a list of schools? How does one actually narrow down to you know, how many schools, you, how, how, how many schools are, are you suggesting these days that students should be? You know, it's, to? it's interesting. This is kind of an outlier year because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so this year it's a lot more because people were able to successfully not spend tons of money traveling. And, but in a norm, once we get more past the pandemic, yeah. I do think it'll, I like averaging people around in the 17 to 20 range. Mm-hmm. And the key though, in that number is that you're balanced in what I like to call a second tier school. Second tier, not meaning second rate quality. It just means they're newer. And when a program is newer, they just don't have the exposure that a Carnegie Mellon or a Michigan have. You know, I remember when Texas State was new. I remember when, and it didn't used to be in that tier, Caitlin Hopkins and what she did to build the program. Now she's made it one of the most competitive schools to get into. So, you know, always don't, I always warn students, don't be afraid of exploring a school just because you haven't seen it in as many Broadway bios. (laughs) If you actually do your work and look at the curriculum, you may find out. So for example, like I love Missouri State's program. I love University of Arizona's program. You know, these are programs that students don't always come to me and have on their list because I know it's not Michigan, CCM, Carnegie Mellon, Texas but once they look at the curriculum and they talk to the heads of these programs, yeah. I mean, Robert Westenberg, when you look at the <laughs> bios of, then you realize, oh wait, they, they do know what they're talking about. And then if you get that far, you, you pass a pre-screen when you actually do your audition. Now we're talking about the most important part of compal- compatibility, which is you with the faculty. That is right. what the websites don't do. You yeah. don't know if you're going to interact successfully or not. You know, you could interact and go, what, happened this was so like we weren't we were disconnected yeah weird and then that's like okay we weren't compatible whereas if you have the compatibility it's going to make you want to go there Hmm. yeah can you can you talk to me about when and where students should start when they're looking for a, a program like or even if they're just interested in pursuing a degree in this where should they start and when do you suggest they start I do think that from a standpoint of the artistic preparation, which is going to be the most important thing for an audition-based acting or music theater program, um, I tell all of my acting applicants and music theater applicants that as they're artistically preparing in their freshman, sophomore, junior year of high school, and yes, I can't believe I said it, but freshman year, it's not, right? It's not about the rep. It's not about like, these are my songs. It's not, it's not that it's the, it's the technique building. So it's, it's going to class. It's the consistency of you know, we, we offer these great skill building classes. This is new since you were here, Maggie, Yeah. Um, but it's great because people can, they take their jazz, they take their ballet, they get to, you know, be in song classes, acting classes. So it's about growth as mm-hmm. an actor, singer, and dancer, not these are my songs and these are my cuts and these are my tracks. And it's not, there's time for that. Right. Um, but to, but to grow as an artist, like, like I hate the word type. Maggie, it's it's the reality of the business. But Same. like, oh my God, as an actor myself, it's like, it's like, well, I'm a lot of things. I'm a lot. But if you talk about the of the word in the sense of what do I love to do, then it's a good word to use. Yeah. As opposed to like, you are the ingenue or you are the character man, or you as yeah. opposed to use those years to go, what speaks to me? What do I love to do? I know it feels so cliche, like, what do you love? But if you if you take the time and explore it, you something will click, and mm-hmm. you go, oh, 
this feels like, oh, this is my, kind of my bread and butter. I know how to access this. I come to life doing it. And for some people that is heavy drama. Mm. For some people that is classical Shakespeare. Some people it is um, improvisational um, um, Kristen Wiig, Saturday Night Live, right? It's like, and then if you, and then if you click and it, then now that's, that's where coaching is great. Cause then it's about, we might find pieces like that. Right. That then you, you read through and you go, oh, this, this kind of feels like what I connect to. Right. So when it comes to actually working with a coach, yeah. what kinds of material will students need to prepare specifically if they're going for a musical theater uh degree. Yes. Well, certainly the that average number of of two songs and two monologues is still yeah. pretty popular. Unfortunately, music theater kids, I always say it's like we've got <laughs> we've got so much to do that I feel like the coaches are like there's or the schools are like there's no time. I mean, <laughs> I think that I see a lot of my students do less than two monologues now that a lot yeah. of them have them do only one. And, you know, you still want to have two and two. A lot of students really have a backup third because some yeah. schools do ask for three songs and they choose one or, you know, so um, you need to have a variety. There has to be versatility in the package. Um, that's probably the biggest mistake I see when students who didn't work with MTCA come to me late in the game and they're upset yes. that, and then they say, what's wrong? And I'll say, it's not that any one of these pieces is weak or poor. It's that there's not versatility in this package, Correct. that it's, it's safe. It just travels like this. Schools love it when you take big risks, mm -hmm. when you're fearless, um, you know, don't be afraid of those bold choices. It is important that it's age appropriate. It's important that you are active, that it can't, you know, those exposition past tense monologues really can hurt you. Yeah. Um, so that's what you learn a lot. I think when you coach is that you learn what, what does active mean? And, and then the most important thing though, is the spontaneity in your work. It can't be polished. It can't be, I get really sad when students come to me and they'll go, my, my high school director told me to do the following song and do this cut. And I'll go, what do you mean told you? What, what do you think? Like, do you yeah, like that right. cut, right? <laughs> it's so important that you're the, um, the captain of your ship. I, sometimes students will ask me, well, Leo, what would you do? And I'll quickly say, hey, I'm not you. I, I can't choose for <laughs> you. Like, I know what I would do for me, but I'm not you, you right. know? So that's the hard part, I think, in your college package because the stakes are so high. But you have to you have to trust that it's a process that if you then do start early, you'll arrive at the pieces that you need. I have two specific questions because I get these questions a lot. Number yeah. one, how often are students being asked to do, in addition to their material, a pop song? Often. So yeah. that is changing a lot. So, you know, I always think that the real world, it takes colleges a little bit longer to catch up to what the professionals are doing. Yeah. I remember when I graduated Carnegie Mellon many moons ago <laughs> in like 2002, I'll just say it. <laughs> Maggie, the worst was when I did an initial consult. And I said, so I was at Carnegie Mellon from 98 to 2002. And she went, oh, 98, that's the year I was born. Get out of here. And I was, right. And I said, okay, we're moving right along. We're not talking about the year you were born, you know? So like, I feel like they're getting younger. It's crazy. Yeah, um, I know. I'm getting older. But, um, um, <laughs> What was the question? Oh, now I got lost track. <laughs> the question was, <laughs> what were we talking about? How often oh, oh. are they being asked for a pop, pop song? Because this is such a common yes. question now, but it makes sense. When I graduated, it was it was just starting, like Saturday Night Fever and yeah. Hairspray and all those Broadway musicals. So now it's like it's really caught up because it only keeps evolving professionally. That now colleges are are good about it, and they should be. So, at the end of the day, though, all colleges want you to sound good. 
So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're not, you should never be exposing yourself in a style of a song if the style of the song is just exactly what they ask for. And now you just, you, you never should be weak. You should never. So right. again, like pop rock, that is a very broad statement to make. There's a it lot is. of, right? <laughs> I it's say like, that all the time. Right. There's so it's many like, genres. Yes. And, and that's not even including folk and country yeah, right. and, and, you know, jazz. I mean, there's so much, and they want any of it. Like, yeah. it's just the point of pop rock when you hear that generic term is not musical theater. Yeah. That's really the big difference is like not a, a, a vocal score that is Hairspray or Saturday Night Fever, which is is right. contemporary in its pop sensibility as a music theater singer, but that's still musical theater. Whereas when you're singing Melissa Etheridge or you're singing, you know, Lady Gaga, this is, yeah. this is pop, this is, you know, folk, this is, yeah. Right, so you can sing, if you see a school saying, we might ask you to sing a pop song, that can mean bringing in a 90s alternative song or bringing in a 50s song or bringing yeah. in Motown, anything, yeah, all of absolutely. the above. Or like, yeah, or like, maybe you like even something old school, you like Beatles, or you yeah. like, I mean, I remember Maggie, when my agents called me and they're like, Leo, we have a um, appointment for you, it's for Altar Boys. And <laughs> I was like, Altar Boys, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's a, it's a boy band musical. And I was like, okay. And they said, we need you to prepare a boy band song. And I went, a boy band? what yeah I was like like in sync backstreet boys like what am I doing I was like I don't have back it's literally virgin records which no longer exists where you could listen to so old aging myself <laughs> I went to virgin records and was listening to different backstreet I mean and I literally put the call which is the name of the song in my book for oh so like God. you but so the real answer is and this doesn't hurt for college auditions. You might have a pop song maybe you also do rock maybe you do yeah you do a Frank Sinatra you know, that's great. Like, but again, what makes you come to life? What do you love to listen to? So when people say, I don't know what to do with pop rock, we'll start with like, do you listen to the radio? You better, radio, I age myself, right? Spotify, <laughs> listen to Spotify. But yeah, listen to stuff and see what makes you, you know, yeah. pop. Like see what makes, what speaks to you. What about material that might be a little, I don't know, taboo or risque, something that mm-hmm. is, that has maybe some curses in it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, students are often scared to approach that material in the in the environment of a college audition. Where where yeah. do you fall as a coach on on that? The way I feel about this stuff is ultimately there's not a black and white answer, unfortunately. It is really a case by case, person to person, student to student answer for me. A lot of it certainly can never be, listen to me swear, don't I sound edgy, or listen to me swear because I'm a good actor because I said the F-bomb. No, you're not. Like it's if you connect, if, if you as a person and the material you're doing and it's supported as a playwright that we know and is support, it can be okay. It, if it's ever excessive, it's it's countering the goal of the piece. I mean, you have to think of any monologue or song you choose is a vehicle. It's a vessel to sharing with these faculties a part of you or something that allows you to access communication in a way that you otherwise you know wouldn't be able to do because you need material, right? If someone has it in their piece, it also is in limitation, meaning that if you're gonna say it, you always can take out swear words. You don't need to be doing like, um, replacement words like just take it out yeah you know yeah. just take it out because that's still honoring the playwright you never want to write and start to be a playwright you know you need to leave the monologue intact right um but it really is a case-by-case thing there are schools that say no swearing yeah. so you know when when I have a family that I'm working with that may be really conservative in following the rules which I always honor and respect then just don't look at monologues that have that I mean 
don't do anything that doesn't feel comfortable. Um, but again, if it's supported in the text, I think faculties do understand and get behind it because it's a well-written play. You know, right. so I think the reason why universities started to say that is that students really would, if they're saying the f bomb every other word, it's gratuitous and and it's it's um it's really unappealing. It makes yeah. it makes the energy go go like this, and you want you want to come forward. So it's it, it defeats the purpose of why you th- think it's smart to do. Mm. Yeah. Can you explain to us this new phenomenon, relatively new phenomenon, phenomenon of phenomenon? That's a good song. (laughs) Thank you. Of the pre-screen. When I was auditioning, I, you know, I only had several pre-screens I had to do. Some of my schools, no pre-screen at all, just flew out to the the program and auditioned. Um, Now they're becoming incredibly common, especially this past year because of, the coronavirus and making sure that um, you can make both your time and the college program's time as efficient as possible. So explain to us what what they are, what they ask of you typically, and why they are so common now. Uh, you know, the big thing with these pre-screens, like, you know, at first it felt like a, a thing that was difficult because, yeah. well, that's not fair. And like, I don't want to feel like um, they're, they're, they can't interact with me. It's it, First and foremost, you have to understand that it exists because it, it helps the schools cut down on numbers of people that they otherwise aren't interested in. Mm-hmm. So I always stress in some ways it's helpful because now you're spending time and money with schools that really are interested in seeing you. Now it's grueling because it divides your year into two major chunks, your pre-screens and then your actual real auditions. Um, It, like you said, most schools have them now, more have them than don't. My big rule of thumb that I feel is missed a lot. Students seem to know now today that it's better to do them early because the schools are fresher in tournament. That's all true. However, you can't (laughs) be turning in a pre-screen premature, meaning that if there's something in your material that you know is not like ready yet, whatever you turn in, that's it. So don't err on the side of being the early bird if it means that like you still need to work on that classical monologue or you just learned the dance combo and I can see the combo going across your, <laughs> like you got to enjoy yourself while you're in that pre-screen. So I always stress that, that like if you're practicing that monologue or song and it takes you six, seven times to then get it to the place that you love it, something tells me you're not actually ready to record and you're now mm. laboring the work. Are, are students these days auditioning with the same material that they use in their pre-screens? Yeah. Is a that lot, common? A lot are. I always welcome the fact of anything you're doing for your pre-screens, you should feel, treat the pre-screen like it's a real audition. So right. it shouldn't feel like you're sending them preliminary material because now that school has probably taken notes on you when they've passed yeah. you. So now when you're doing your real audition, they might be ready to see the same song or monologue. Some schools actually ask, please do the same material. Now, Mm -hmm. I certainly always engage with all of my kids too. If you've started to work on a new song or monologue that you love even more and you come to life even more, share that with the school when you're in the room. Maybe they'll say, sure, do it. Or maybe they'll say, no, stick to your your Um, Mm pre-screens. But I think what's hard is that if you're turning in pre-screens in that early phase, there is a big chunk of time that goes by between the pre-screen turn in and your actual auditions. So for your actual auditions now, you've if you've been doing the work, you've artistically grown. So great, show that off. Like that's the exciting part. So sometimes I stress to students, if the wheel ain't broke, why are you trying to fix it? If you pass that pre-screen, <laughs> right? Why are you so adamant about, like they like you, they passed you. 
Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a general rule of thumb, Maggie, that I know I've, I've talked to for a lot of the faculty members that I've, you know, uh, worked with over the years when they've come to ta- uh, teach faculty master classes for MTCA and also just that I've, I've built relationships with. Trust them, students. You have to trust them to do their job. You do your job, which is to be as, of course, artistically prepared, but now the fun, spontaneous, silly, weird, goofy, nerdy dorky whatever care whatever those those oddball parts of you that give you that 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 color that spark that's mm-hmm. what they want to see so all of the stuff about what they're looking for that's not your job your your job i remember brian cranston said this once in a great breaking bad interview that totally stuck for me our job's pretty simple maggie we just have to go in and, and do the good work and have fun all that other stuff leave it you got to leave it be you want to control and go hey i heard that michigan actually looks for the following but carnegie <laughs> mellon look guys that's changing all the time faculty yeah. members change the schools evolve just let them do their job they, they know what they're doing we just have to go in as actors and then just live our life we got to, you know, and I think what's hard now, because the process keeps getting more competitive and the schools ask more and more of you, it, what's hard is that you reach the auditions and you're exhausted and you're stressed and then you don't glow and that kills it. That, if you're not able to do an audition ready, ready to glow, ready to step in the room and, and you know, come forward, lean forward, you know, not literally, but that idea of like, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I want to do really well today because you're so stressed about, I hope I'm the, I'm the right type. I hope that I, I hope that they like, that's never, ever going to win. Like it will never win you the, the acceptance, mm. you know, it's hard, easier said than done. But again, if you start that artistic prepping and if you start that work earlier, I, I love nothing more Maggie right now, my kids are doing it. They're calling me. They're like, Leo, I had so much fun. And I'm like, that's cause you did the work. You did the work. Mm. I, I gave you tools. I don't make them do it, Maggie. You remember, same thing with mm-hmm. you. We gave you tools, but you did it. You, We gave you the structure. We gave you help in far as a school list, adding schools to your list. That's a, But then I'm not the one in the audition room. You are, mm-hmm. you know? And then it's in your hands and then you were shining. I mean, you look at where you, you got to, into Texas State. It's amazing. I mean, <laughs> that's like, and I, but it's also not an accident to me. When, the, when kids of ours that I work with get into big schools, when I look over the trajectory, Chris Morrissey, there's another one Chris, that you know. Same him. thing, hard work. He put in the work. And then when he got to the auditions, he was having fun. Yeah. It's hard to have fun when it's so competitive, but um, I know the schools want that. They want you. So like when people say to me, Maggie, how do I stand out, Leo? I stress all the time. <laughs> you just got to be authentically you. That will make you stand out. Yeah, that's true. You know, embrace the quirks and the weird things and the, and the, I mean, they love that stuff. Yeah. The, the pop rock stuff with like, you know, if you play piano, if you play guitar, great. Like that's put on that resume, you know, maybe that guitar's along the back wall and you play your guitar. They love that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I always rave about how Vicki Bussard at Baldwin Wallace, she's so good about what is the pulse right now. And she is so yeah. good about sensing that from a, from the business side. So then she looks for it in her, in her, in her student body, you know? Mm. And that's, again, that's, that comes from the research that comes from time. You're not, you're not going to all, you're not going to know that overnight, but as you go through the process, that's why starting early is so valuable because you're never like anxious to get there. You just Mm. are like slowly getting there. As a college audition coach, what is your biggest piece of advice to a student who is embarking on college auditions that might be just 
rightfully so, very overwhelmed by this process? Yeah, that's a great question. I think you have to be aware that you are introducing such a major new chapter into your life to prepare to go to college for the next four years. So don't kid yourself that something in your schedule has got to give. You've got to make some kind of revision. It doesn't mean that you're not doing the fall play or the spring musical and choir and professional theater. And But if you're doing all of those things and you're trying to do this, there's a little bit of, of delusion that I find in teenagers where if now they're not eating and sleeping mm -hmm. and hydrating, this is all going to go down the tubes real quick. So you have to take care of yourself. And some students do effectively multitask more effectively than others. So you have to know you just because your friend did the high school musical and the fall play and choir doesn't mean you should. Right. So you have to really ask yourself, like, so for example, for me, if I was in high school and I had a coach, I wish I would have had an MTCA because I was a mess. Um, <laughs> even at Carnegie Mellon, Maggie, they were like, don't, don't start that monologue in the same place. Jump to the end. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but literally I, um, I, I, I remember thinking if I don't have eight hours of sleep, I'm not good. Like, I can't pull off a five hour night of sleep and be good. I know my voice like sounds like crap. Mm -hmm. I can't warm up as a fact. So like, I'm the kind of person that if I need a consistent eight, Leo, if you're in tech rehearsals all week before your mm -hmm. big audition, like it ain't gonna happen. You know, I do that for myself professionally as an actor still. So it's, that's a big, um, that's a big lesson. That's a big tip that I give high school kids, which is, I want you to have a life. It's not like you can't have fun in your high school play or musical, but some things, if you're adding in all of this time, we haven't yeah. even talked about like applying. What about all that? Yeah. Like, it's a lot. You got to do a lot, but it's doable. You just got to make the time. So mm -hmm. ask yourself, what kind of a person are you? Do you need more time for that stuff? Um, and then I will say some people seem to be clutch when they're busy <laughs> and like the high school lead makes them great. <laughs> but then make sure like, okay, now are you hydrating? Are you, I mean, I remember when um, Claudia Banak, who's one of the voice teachers at Carnegie Mellon, she invited me to come talk to the pre-college kids. And I remember I was giving advice and she's like, tell them about MTCA. So I was telling them all about it. And she said to me, or I turned to her and I said, now, Claudia, I always give the advice um, that kids don't need to be doing their high school musicals in order to get into college, that the resume doesn't really matter. And she went, no, yeah, no, doesn't matter, no. <laughs> so just remember that whatever's, if you are Mama Rose in Gypsy, that's great. And a college may go, wow, you're playing Mama Rose. They're not going, hey guys, she's playing Mama Rose. We should accept her into our program. Like that's, <laughs> like, that's not like- That's so true. Right? It's like all the Mama Roses and all the Millies and all the Romeos, they're oh. all- It's like, it's so it's cool to do, but if now you're like horse, like I played Ren and Footloose. Oh um, my gosh. I, it was great, but like that thing made me hoarse. I wasn't, it was a tall order for me because it was high back when I was younger. Um, <laughs> and it was a lot, but like I could have never done college auditions playing Ren and Footloose. I wouldn't have had a voice. So mm -hmm. just remember guys, like you can't ask schools to accept you if you're coming in at 65% your horse. Like that's, I mean, again, anything is always possible. I'm not saying don't do your high school play, but if you are doing it, you got to stay healthy. Right. You know? Yeah, I can speak on that. I remember when yeah. I was auditioning for schools, I had to really pay attention to what 
was good for me, what, what I could handle and what I knew was not worth it. Um, and for me, I, I remember loading up on a lot of AP courses, uh, sophomore year, junior year, and then high school. I mean, then senior year of high school, um, I had to step back a little bit because I knew I was going to be missing a lot of school. Um, I knew I wanted to go to New York Unifieds and Chicago Unifieds. I knew that that was going to take a lot out of me. And I was also doing the school musical and I was missing a lot of rehearsals. So that all has to be expected, especially in a normal audition year, unlike 2020, really, because, you know, it's it's a lot. And you're absolutely right. No one ever really thinks that it's going to change your life as much as it ends up doing the yeah. college audition process because it is so unlike any other process. It's That's unlike right. any other application process for That's, colleges. It just simply ne- is. Yeah. And you've never done you've anything never done else. Right. That is even remotely the same. I mean, with all due respect to all of you students who have had multiple callbacks for that lead role in a high school show, that, that ain't this. This is really different, right? So you have to be fair and good to yourself that if it's, if this is a new thing, like the most basic homework assignments I often see with my students or give my students is where in the schedule is Netflix? Where are you vegging? Like <laughs> yeah. in a normal year when they're like, oh, I'm going to go to this concert. I'm going to do homecoming. I'm going to do, yeah. I'm looking at it going, that sounds like a lot of shouting. Like how about one of those yeah. things? You know, like, so it's like, <laughs> but like to go to the movies with your friends. Yeah. I can't wait to go back to the movies once this pandemic, mm-hmm. but you know, like, stuff like that is being a good prepared auditioner, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well said AP courses. I want you guys to all enjoy your senior year, but a lot of schools don't see your senior year transcripts. So sometimes students are loading up on so many AP and honors courses. And if it means that you can't like sleep, this is, this is killing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the balance. It's always, this is, this is really life advice. It's moderation. Yeah. How do you find your moderation? It can't be, what your friend did, it has to be what is right for you. I mean, there are people that just don't need a lot of sleep. Lucky them, you know, <laughs> but Lucky like, them. not me. I will be like this, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and Leo, I really respect you as a, a working actor in this industry. You have, you have done so many different shows. You have traveled so much performing. You have done several Broadway shows and I'm curious to know, is there anything that over the years of performing both in New York and beyond, is there anything that you've learned that you wish you knew coming out of Carnegie Mellon at 22, 23 years Mm -hmm. old? Is there something that you wish you knew after these years performing that you would like to tell yourself at that age? Yes, I was proud and hardworking as making this thing my life. I was in a full blown relationship. I was in a monogamous relationship, Maggie, with show business. I wasn't wasn't dating anybody. I wasn't (laughs) vacationing. I would, like when actors would say like, I don't know if I should turn down this audition, what, you know, or or I'm gonna turn down this audition. I would say, I can't do that. My agents will drop me. I mean, I was so not, again, that might be part (laughs) of my success because I was so, but Uh I would give the advice to 22 year old Leo, Leo, let yourself have fun along the way that is not just Mm. theater. Like it took a long time for me, I'll share this with you, Jordan Thaler, he's a great Mm. casting director at The Public here in New York. He came to Carnegie Mellon, did a masterclass with us. And he said, hey guys, make sure that when you get to New York, you find something you love to do that isn't theater. And I remember thinking, <laughs> I would have thought this. I was like, I'm going to be a Broadway. Right. I'm not going to do something else. Ew. Now I remember the first bad audition I had no callback. Oh I felt like crying. And I was like, Oh, 
maybe this is what Jordan meant. And I remember that day I picked up my big plant hobby that I had in high school. My parents are big green thumbs. I have plants. There ev- she is ev- right there. Every, like they're, ev- I mean, yeah, they're mm-hmm. everywhere. That's a great thing that I love that is not theater. So I would say as you are going through what you love, which I know is theater, it's okay to love other things too. And in fact, it's healthy to put your energy into them. Preach. Yeah. Preach that. I could talk to you for hours, Leo, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge. And it's just so important to hear these these things from you as someone who I really respect and admire in this industry. Um, And to also hear from a coach who is so intuitive about this process. This is so unlike anything you could ever go through. So having someone like you and the MTCA family is truly remarkable. And I love what you said family, because that's how I think of you, Maggie. It's, it's, yeah. it always, it's so hard when I, when all my kids leave and they go off to schools, which of course is, is my job. I want them to find their fit. Mm. And, um, but then it's a family, we are a community. I mean, mm. you know, you and me, we're always going to be a part of the MTCA family. Um, and I, I love doing this with you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of all, I mean, your little entrepreneurial spirit and self, it's so clear and evident. I mean, it's just amazing, you know, so you keep doing your thing because, but you know, Maggie, I do remember you sitting on my couch when I met you and we were talking about your school list. And I remember thinking like, Caitlin Hopkins would like her. I was like, she, cause I do remember thinking like you had, you had a will. And when you have that students, whoever's listening out there, just make sure you, you know, listen to yourself and go mm. after what, what feels good. That's that this, this process as hard as it is should always still be fun. If it's not fun, maybe this isn't for you. I always yeah. say, and you wanted, you were having fun, Maggie. Ooh, I remember. I loved I re- it. I remember All the that. good times, all the bad times. <laughs> I loved it. And I continue right. to, but that's, I just know that this is what I want to do. And, yeah. and that's not always the case, not with everything. It's not, it's not yeah. always black and white like that, but yeah. um, you figure that out. Over yeah. Time. You figure it out. Yep. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I love this. Yeah. Where can we, where can we find MTCA if someone's looking to to work with y'all? Yes. Okay. So our Instagram musical theater college auditions, you got to spell that all out. Um, <laughs> and you know, I always say this too, when the team first started, of course, so much of it was music theater. We work with as many acting applicants too. Yeah, you do. So acting is great guys. Don't ever think you're shortchanged with us. Um, and our website is mtcollegeauditions.com. So you can certainly find, you can access, um, our contact tab. If you ever wanted to meet me, I can do an initial consult with you to help you with coaching. And we're also, you remember Maggie, we're not, it's not all packages. It's just, it's a la carte. You, you use what you yeah. need. We, we don't want, this isn't like a, a, a money thing. It's a, it's, it's to artistically grow, but not, you're not trapped into anything. And, and the other cool thing is we have classes that you don't have to even be an MTCA student. You can just That's take great. a, they're all virtual. We do um, two dance a month. There's a, it alternates oh, with a singing great. and an acting class. So if you guys ever want to just jump in and just see what it's like, you totally can. That's so great. That's something I really loved about working with MTCA was that I could choose what I needed most. You know, if you if you happen to have a voice teacher already, you can still work with, with MTCA on your dance stuff and your monologue stuff. And I just think that's really important um, yeah. and really helpful. Right. Definitely. We I, we don't want to take you away. If you have something good going with your voice teacher, you need to stay with your voice teacher, you know? Um, and there's all kinds of help. Like if you are bad with organization, our college advisor mm. is great. She helps you organize everything. We have a whole planning account um, that great. gives you pop-ups and all that jazz and an essay coach. Um, uh, it's so, I mean, I hated writing essays. Me too. 
Oh my God. I was like another- So many. Oh God. I was like, mom, where can we just um, copy and paste, please? (laughs) I was like, literally always. I was like, can we copy and paste this? Yeah, but it's but it's it should still be fun. Just yeah. I guess I guess that the thing is give yourself the time to have the fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah, Leo, thank you so much. I oh really appreciate God. you. I appreciate you. I'm so proud of you. You're <laughs> always gonna be. It's just like my teachers. They're always like Leo, as they love MTCA, and they're like, but you're still always gonna be our our one of our students. And now I say oh. that to people like you, Maggie. <laughs> you're always gonna be one of my kids. <laughs> If you enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram stories so we can be friends. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Join me every single week with a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. Until next time, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I will see you next week.